This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art. You're listening to the Voice of the Arts, WQED-FM. I'm Jim Cunningham, and I'm here with Brian Warsdale, the music director of the Three Rivers Young People's Orchestra, and Lee Saville Ixik, who runs the Youth Chorus. You two are working together this weekend with music, musical magic, magical music from the silver screen, a whole new world. Your concert is oversubscribed, which is a wonderful situation to have, but you'll try to get everybody in the door. It's a free concert on Sunday afternoon at the North Hills Middle School. Is that where it is? Tell me about it. So this collaboration came together as really the second between Pittsburgh Youth Chorus and uh, Three Rivers Young People's Orchestra. Um, The first happened several years ago with a piece by John Rutter, The Mass of the Children. Our organizations actually collaborate together at an administrative level as well. We share office space. We've shared staff in the past. And we wanted to put together a uh, theatrically themed performance that featured both the orchestra and our young singers. And after exploring a few different options, um, came to this concept of programming lots of music from um, animated films that are are geared towards uh, children of all ages. And uh, Brian tapped his connections out in L.A. with the Disney Music Library and uh, got us some great arrangements, uh, the arrangements, actually. Yeah, so the material we're doing is all the stuff that you actually heard watching the animated features. Um, With the exception of one, uh, one of the arrangements, uh, The Beauty and the Beast, is based on that, but it's actually... Um, this choral suite. They're all based on the original scores. They're they're cut and pastes or their arrangements coming from those original scores with those original choruses, in particular Beauty and the Beast. And that in that in that arrangement, it's actually Eric Kunzel's uh, final arrangement for symphony orchestra that we're using for the performance. Uh, we're also featuring the orchestra on a number of tunes as well, uh, also coming from the pens of the composers. For example, the 1965 Mary Poppins overture. So when you watch the film, the first music that you hear in that film, which is the Tuppence music, the Feed the Birds music, those are the same notes you hear coming out of the first notes of our concert on Sunday. And so throughout the afternoon of music making, you will hear features of some young soloists in the chorus. You will hear features inside the orchestra. We also have a guest artist I'll let Lee talk about in a moment. And it's just a great opportunity to celebrate Disney. Some John Williams is in there, of course. Uh, Some Disney um, franchised works, like uh, stuff from Pirates of the Caribbean, inspired, Hans Zimmer-inspired type of music. Also music from the Lopez family, who are very famous for writing Frozen, as well as a number of other uh, pieces of material, and Coco, and we'll actually be featuring not so much their music from Coco, but Michael Giacchino's orchestral score from the film. So we have a great variety of music. And the reason that we decided to use this route was my hope that young people could 
explore other advantages in music as instrumentalists. They play in their pit orchestra at school, which is always a lot of fun. But imagine taking that pit orchestra and putting it up on the stage and then making it a larger collaboration with a fantastic program like the Pittsburgh Youth Chorus. And that's one of the things we want to do every season. Every season, I would like to pick something in the middle of the year besides our our own, I guess we would say, grand classics concerts like the Pittsburgh Symphony has, our fall concert and our spring concert are epitomes of that orchestral repertoire that we want to explore, as well as the new music that we want to look into. But sometimes in between, we want to let our hair down a little bit and do something that's a little different. Maybe we teach them, this this year it's Broadway, maybe next year it's jazz, maybe the year after that is so, you know, something, you know, dancing. It could be anything, but the idea is to give them that opportunity to explore different genres genres of music. Sounds like for the music lovers in their seats, they'll know the tunes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's not a single person that won't try to sing along with half the music. So, And will the chorus be singing for two-thirds of the program or more than that? Uh, two-thirds is probably about right. There are three, am I counting right? Three major suites plus a, uh, a medley that the choir is singing on. Um, so Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, and then we are closing with one final suite of all music from Frozen, which will be uh, a sing-along with the audience, where the audience will be officially invited to, to join us in, in singing those songs. Great fun. It's not possible for you to be in the youth chorus and also play in the orchestra? Do you I'm sure have any members that are in scheduling wise. I think I think it's possible, and I think that there are young people that that might have done that at some point. I don't think we have anybody this time around, but you know, I that that was very commonplace even from and when I lived in New York. So the other the other medley that we are doing actually is an arrangement by um, a, a, an orchestrator, pianist, musician. Uh, that I have known since he's 14 years old. His name is Josh Freilich, and he did this. We have a cabaret troupe at my summer camp where it's high school kids, and they put together these variety shows every year, different themes. And one year was a Disney theme, and because we were doing this big orchestral concert, we invited them to participate with us, so he put together this Disney troupe medley, and basically it's all the old-school Disney tunes. It's all the stuff you heard, all and, and there are some more modern Disney TVs, like TV channel stuff, Disney channel stuff, but for the most part, it's all that stuff that our parents grew up with. You know, stuff like from Cinderella, stuff from, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, stuff from uh, Winnie the Pooh, things like that. So, and then, of course, that we have a couple of different features, including, uh, uh, and I'd love Lee to talk more about uh, our guest vocalist who's going to be working with us in the Lion King uh, track. Yeah. So, last year, Pittsburgh Youth Chorus started a new program inviting uh, an artist in residence who identifies as black indigenous or a person of color to work with our singers for the entire season. And this year, we, uh, the person um, assuming that role is Miss Anita Levels. We had the chance to work with Ms. Levels back in the spring of 2022 as the featured artist in a piece called Crossings, which we did as a collaboration with Hill Dance Academy Theater. Um, very interesting work. I refer to it as a piece of uh, ethnic choral ballet theater. Um, uh, 
and it has this central figure uh, kind of telling the story and singing solos with choreography and choral music happening all around her. Anyway, we had the chance to meet a Miss, uh, Miss Levels, Anita, um, through a program that Tripo runs, uh, the Black Teaching Artists uh, in Residence program through the Unisound Coalition. And after having her on stage with us in, back in May, uh, invited her to be our BIPOC artist in residence for this year. She has spent the the fall and winter already working with our singers on a regular basis. Um, she taught them some uh, some music from the Black Gospel tradition for our winter concert. Um, she's going to be teaching some Stevie Wonder for our spring concert coming up in April. And uh, we just wanted to have the chance to to feature her as a performer again. And so she is going to be singing some of the solos on the Lion King suite. Um, anyone interested in learning more about her work, she has a, uh, a website. <clears throat> um, uh, I can't remember if it's anitalevelsmusic.com or it might be anitabrownlevels.com. Um, one of those should work. And um, her music is, uh, she's a recording artist with lots of original music on all the various streaming platforms that uh, people uh, might tap into. Sounds so great. 3.30 on Sunday afternoon, a whole new world, magical music from the silver screen. And Lee mentioned that you have some connections in Los Angeles that helped out here in getting the scores. Well, I mean, it's it's actually available to anybody, but we do ha I do have a relationship with the Disney Concert Library from the work that I've done during the summer. And when we were trying to figure out a pivot that we were working on, we thought maybe we can do a Disney show. And one of the first thoughts was let's let's just do a Disney show in concert. Uh, but actually, and I say this so that you know. Anybody who's listening, especially the, the teachers uh, in our area, you know, the Disney Concert Library is, is pretty much available to anybody. You do have to go through all the licensing that you do when you rent the show, but they have a valuable resource of materials there, even, even stuff that's in the, the vault, if you will, from way back when that, that they have at their disposal. But they have a great team there, Roy Haston, who has been pivotal in putting this together for me. Um, was was instrumental, huh, forgive the pun, for putting that together for us. And yeah, you can look at it online, but they have so much more than just what's already on the internet. And that was one of the things that was important was just to have that level of communication and, and that connection. And to be fair, that connection came through you know, the summer program that I run it up at uh, French Woods and through one of the music directors uh, on Broadway, who's an alum of our program, who, who worked for us, whose own son went to camp. And I picked up the phone, called him up. He currently conducts Aladdin on Broadway and is working on the new production of Hercules. And he put me in touch with these wonderful people years ago. And we just maintained that relationship. And that's that's the pivotal thing when you're trying to give young people these connections, it's important for you to maintain those those valuable connections and interactions with people, especially because it gives your young people that window into that larger world. You know, there's not a single piece of music except for maybe that Disney medley that was written for their age group. It just wasn't. Nothing that they're singing, nothing that they're playing. And we talk about this all the time. I've been here and spoken to you about this, Jim. The youth orchestra world is a special place because it's one of the only places where young people are playing music that was never intended for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's a significant uh, 
achievement when you get to play that music. And and I also think there's something significant about the amount, the body of music that's written for young choruses, for concert bands and wind ensembles and jazz ensembles. Uh, I think the the big the big thing that that youth orchestras have going for it, quote unquote, is also something that doesn't give them the same access points to new music uh, as frequently as other genres do. And of course, we're also working to change that. That's, that's some of the stuff we're looking at in our future, which we're excited about. Because the Disney company is so big, some people might think they would be impossible to work with, but they in fact want young musicians to perform their scores. Oh, without question, their 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 devotion to music, uh, and to that level of creativity goes all the way back to, to you know Walt Disney himself and the ideas of Fantasia, and the fact that Fantasia was never intended to be a one-time event. It was meant to be this thing that would be recycled over and over again, putting in new sketches over the years. Uh, but the cost of doing that, obviously, and its commercial success would change over the years. And with Walt's death, it, it did not allow for that to be the fruition. So, of course, we had Fantasia 2000. But the truth of the matter is other people have taken up that torch and have done other things that allow for that connection visually to what you listen to orally. Now, you're concerned that the house may be very full. It's a free concert, but you'll try to get everybody in that you possibly can. We're at the North Hills Middle School, correct? Have you been there before? That's right. Yeah, actually, both of our organizations have hosted concerts at this location before. It's a fantastic theater with... Um, uh, plenty of seating. It's well over a thousand seats. But when we combine both of our our audiences, the the families and neighbors and friends of our young participants, as well as anyone from the community who might show up, uh, it does start to start to add up. So we are hoping for uh, a very full house, but we are still um, we are still registering. A new uh, audience members as of now, and we expect that we'll have probably a few tickets available for walk-up. So if you want to go, be sure to take a look at the website, right? You Absolutely, You can uh, register yes. yourself there. Yes. That's great. Can you describe, Lee, tell me who is the youth chorus member, and what age are they? Are they equally divided between men and women, and what's their spirit? What's their uh, thought process like? Are they super achievers in school? What's your youth chorus member like? Oh, that's a, that's a great question, Jim. So I'll say that our programs have been really evolving over the past several years, and so the overall makeup of our, um, our singer population, I so, uh, so to speak, is also changing. The youth the youth chorus, which was formerly known as uh, the Children's Festival Chorus, used to be um, purely a treble choir for singers in grades three through eight. Now, uh, several years ago, we started a training choir program, which opened up uh, our programs to singers in grades one and two. Um, and that location, uh, that program used to be located mostly in, in suburb locations, um, for families who might kind of be interested in trying the choir out but not really ready to make the trek across the bridge into downtown where we were holding our rehearsals. Um, uh, since my tenure with the organization, we've actually uh, started some new locations, um, one of them at Pittsburgh Dilworth, so, so actually at one of the PPS schools, and then also at Aliquippa Elementary. Um, so with those changes, 
Uh, we are seeing, uh, frankly, a, a greater racial diversity and uh, a greater um, socioeconomic diversity within our uh, singer population. We've also started uh, a high school program, which has been participated uh, in primarily by a lot of our alums. So singers who went through the, you know, all of our core treble choirs, but are now, um, you know, some who have changed voices, that we have a, a TB choir that we call the Bridge City Singers, and then also our high school trebles that sing in a group called Headwaters. So um, so really, it's a, it's a group that comes from, um, from all over the, all over every walk of life, um, we're really interested in creating um, within our programs, uh, honestly, a, a cross section of the Pittsburgh region. And your unique niche uh, relative to other youth choirs in Western Pennsylvania, the Junior Mendelssohn might pre-exist you, that maybe they were around a little bit longer. Yeah, so the Junior Mendelssohn, we actually have a, a history of working with. Um, one of our, uh, not our very founding director, but our artistic director who served in the role for over 20 years, Christine Jordanoff, had a very close relationship with Robert Shaw and, um, or I'm sorry, not Robert Shaw, Robert Page, um, the former, uh, you know, late conductor of the Mendelssohn. And so uh, there was a lot of collaboration between PYC uh, at the time, CFC and the Mendelssohn. Um, so we don't try to compete with the high school singers in Junior Mendelssohn. We actually run our high school program. Um, uh, they run in the fall. We run in the spring so that uh, we have a lot of singers that do both because um, historically as many as 30 to 50 percent of the Mendelssohn um, are our kids. So one of the things that historically PYC uh, kind of has to its claim is uh, when a lot of the professional arts organizations in the city are looking for young performers, we're usually their first call. So that's uh, the Pittsburgh Opera, which um, just in recent years we performed Carmen, um, The Magic Flute, um, uh, Madame or La Boheme, just like several other operas that um, that have that youth course uh, component to it. We've performed with Pittsburgh Public Theater, um, several performances with the with the PSO, um, and our kids learn. Uh, there is an aspect of of joy and community that is really infused in everything we do, but they're also really learning. Um, uh, quite a bit of rigor when it comes to music literacy, ear training, um, which is why they can learn this, um, you know, as you said, Brian, you know, music that, yes, it was written for young voices, but it was written for, you know, just kind of with a, with a theatrical um, idea. But, you know, th these opera, um, the opera repertoire is very challenging for um, these young singers. And for Carmen, they're singing in French and they're singing way up high. And so um, the training that they receive in our program is also very uh, rigorous for them to be able to, to step into those, uh, those types of roles, singing in lots of languages. And, um, and then also just having the, the grade one to grade 12 experience and being able to see older peers that they can aspire to. Sounds so great. And I can see why your two organizations are linked with your mission and what you're trying to accomplish. Brian Warsdale, when you step to the podium, what message do you want to send to your young musicians and the people behind you in the audience? Why are you doing what you're doing? I think it's obvious, but I'd like to hear it from you. 
Well, I say this a lot, and we've talked about this often, Jim, which is the the idea that uh, my advocacy is 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 my baton. You know, what I can do to help young people find that voice that, for the most part, is their instrument is why I do it. I enjoy it. It's because I had my own transformative experience, it, and and I think that's a very important aspect. There are every young person comes to music in their own way. Um, it's easy to look at groups as choirs and orchestras and bands, but the truth of the matter is there's an individual choice to be involved in the arts and there's an individual pathway that you take so that you can be part of the bigger picture. And every young person's story is different. And every adult story who started as a young person is different. And how we each came to it can really define why many people do what they do in this world and for me it was uh, it was half an escape um, half a way of dealing with 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 personal loss and you know and the rest of it is um, um, imagination I used um twice already because I had to think about that one and you know how I feel about that you know when I'm speaking it's very important that what I what I want to do for young people is is give them that sense that what we're all doing together also respects what they do as an individual. And that means that some of them may not have had that early band experience. They may have come to it late. Some of them may have lived their entire life in the band world. Some of them have parents who are music educators. Everyone's journey is unique. It's what we do together that makes it this big one sounds that comes out of either the chorus or the orchestra. Brian Warsdale, Lee Seville, Ixik, the work you're doing is essential. Thank you for doing it. It's just great, and I want to wish you all the best with a whole new world, magical music from the silver screen, the Three Rivers Young People's Orchestra, the Pittsburgh Youth Chorus. Thanks so much for coming by. Anything else we're forgetting? Is there anything else we should mention? You can get lots more information from your website. Uh, any details about how to join your organizations, how the uh, auditions are, are done, and you're auditioning people now. I oh, where we've already started taking applications for next season, and uh, I don't know about uh, the chorus, but we've actually started doing that already. Yeah, I'll add that actually what we are focusing on right now is enrollment in our Summer Singers Day Camp. So we run a day camp here in Pittsburgh as well as one up in Grove City. Uh, five days that uh, here in Pittsburgh it's for uh, young people ages 7 through 10 who uh, love to sing and love music. It includes not only um, kind of a... a, a Day that's focused on vocal development, but also some fun, um, fun kind of add-ons. Uh, we teach ukulele. We do some uh, creative dramatics, uh, all as a part of that. I'll also add that we have other performances coming up that are open to the public. Um, all of our choral programs, all the way from the training choirs up to our high school, are performing a concert at Marshall Middle School in the North Allegheny School District on April 23rd. And then our high school, because um, they uh, have the chance to learn more repertoire than they really get to feature in that concert, are also doing a, uh, a spotlight performance on April 30. 
And Brian, you must have a concert in the spring that we can look forward to. We're looking forward to May 7th, and we also, and I'm looking forward to coming back and talking about this again, we're looking forward to our appearance at the League of American Orchestras conference in June. We're one of two youth orchestras that have been given the distinct honor of performing as part of the opening session for the League, which is a huge meeting of all the different orchestras in this country, representing different towns and cities and states um, that deal with professional music making and also with youth orchestras. So we're really excited about that. We'll be working on some uh, some repertoire that digs more deeply into the music of the America's experience. So I look forward to ha- having a further conversation about that. A must. We'll do it for sure. Thanks for coming to 4802 Fifth Avenue and bless you for the great work you're doing with your young musicians. Brian Warsdale, Lisaville, Ixic. Keep it up. Don't stop. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. This Voice of the Arts podcast is made possible thanks to the Carnegie Museum of Art.